Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights, conversations exploring network transformation through interviews with industry experts. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein. We're coming to you live from the International Broadcast Conference in Amsterdam. And I'm delighted to be joined by Yu Yang, Technical Director of Live Video Broadcasting Team at Tencent Cloud. Welcome you to the program. Thanks, Addison. It's really happy to be here. So Yu, why don't we just start um, with a, a background in your role at Tencent Cloud and how it fits in um, to the themes at IBC this year. Hmm. So Tencent Cloud is China's leading public cloud service provider with secure and reliable cloud products and solutions. And I myself am the technical director of the live streaming and cloud gaming team. So our team has served major uh, live streaming platforms in China, and we launched our cloud gaming service this August in China Joy. So why we collect these two services together? Because they share one thing in common. The streaming technology is one of the key points to provide best user experience. Now, we haven't had anyone on ChipChat before who's delivering cloud gaming in China. So can you give some characteristics about the size of the market opportunity in, in the China market and how consumers have embraced cloud gaming? So uh, the idea of cloud gaming is simple. The game is played in the cloud server and the rendered game frames stream back to users' devices uh, like computer, mobile phone, and pad, and so on. So... I think that it is really actually a new product, but uh, uh, we think that uh, we have some uh, advantage on that. Firstly, as China is rolling out 5G this year, and we think that cloud gaming and 5G is the best match mm -hmm. and uh, to tackle the latency and bandwidth issues. And uh, also that we are working with live, uh, live video streaming platforms, and they want to roll out some new things to facilitate their platforms. And I think that uh, cloud gaming is a very good facilitation for them to, uh, do, to deploy new service and to encourage new users. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you mentioned earlier um, that one of the key capabilities for video and cloud gaming is the streaming technology. And you've talked about um, the importance of, uh, you know, reduction of latency for uh, driving a good user experience. How is Tencent working to accomplish that in terms of delivery of your platform? Yeah, for the streaming coder, currently we are using H.264, and which is really a very old <laughs> codec format because that apparently the w adoption of HEVC is very slow due that uh, due to the license fee. And uh, on the other hand, we are very happy to embrace AV1. Uh, the obvious one is that AV1 itself is royalty-free and open source. And uh, uh, the demand also is here that w the user demand for better resolutions for live streaming and as well as cloud gaming. And it evolves from 480p in the year 2015 to currently 4K and or even 8K. So we definitely need a new codec and new streaming technologies to, with better encoding and decoding uh, performance and better compression compatibility to reduce the overall bandwidth cost for our business partners, say the game companies. So 
that's why we embrace AB1. Now, AB1 obviously is a is a relatively newcomer into the open source arena for visual cloud workloads. How have you seen the industry um, embrace AV1, and, and where do you think we are in terms of the journey towards broad adoption of that codec? Yeah, AV1 is still quite new at this stage because that uh, we are perf- we are working on an end-to-end solution, so both encoding and decoding performance and tuning are equally important. So. Uh, now uh, we are we are uh, working with Intel on SVTAB1, and uh, we are uh, also working on the standardization of AB1. And for for us uh, now, we are mainly focused on encoding part. But I'm really look forward to see more hardware decoding support for AV1 as well as the software decoding performance tuning for AV1 in, say, in mobile phones. So that that will surely meet our demand for cloud gaming that is users can play anywhere, anytime. That would be great. I think the user community would appreciate that quite a bit. Um, I know that you mentioned that you're working with Intel, and this is uh, part of a much broader collaboration between our companies. Um, as you look at deploying um, cloud gaming and visual cloud at the edge, um, and you, you talked about the collaboration around SVT AV1, are you also looking at the integration of analytics into that um, video streaming, and, and how else are we working together in terms of driving optimized performance? Currently, we are partnering with Intel for uh, uh, apart from cloud gaming and for the live streaming and uh, VOD demands, we are partnering with Intel to provide 8K signals for uh, OTT providers so that for, say, uh, uh, some, uh, for, the, for, say, for the Olympic Games in the next year, we may see that technology to work out and people can use, can have, uh, uh, can sit in sit at home and watch TV that actually use 8K or uh, 4K or 8K resolution. Mm-hmm. That's tremendous. Um, and then finally, when you look at um, the demand in China, um, how quickly is the OTT um, service growing in China? And, and can you put in context for our listeners? What this represents in terms of an opportunity for the entire industry to deliver um, within the market. As I say that both AK or uh, AV1 is still at the early stage, but we cannot imagine that, say, four years ago, we are just uh, watching live show in a resolution like 480p. And now we demand that is, uh, it should be just almost like a hundred times uh, uh, race larger than uh, the one in 2015. But I think that people, uh, no matter in China or worldwide, uh, uh, want things that want uh, experience that's becoming really more and more extreme. And that uh, that's why we are pursuing with Intel to to. To uh, we are pursuing with Intel for the AV1 and for the resolution like AK to make it applicable to the industry use. 
Fantastic. You thank you so much for being on the program today. One final question for you. I'm sure that folks want to find out about what Tencent is delivering in this space um, and engage with your team. Where would you send them for more information? Yeah, you can just visit our website, cloud.tencent.com for more details. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoy your week at IBC and uh, we'll love to have you on the program again sometime. Thanks, Anderson. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein. We're coming to you live from the International Broadcasting Conference in Amsterdam. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Phil Miller, Vice President of Product Management at Chaos Group. Welcome to the program, Phil. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, Chaos Group is an exciting company to have on Chip Chat. You guys do such interesting work in the industry. But it's the first time you've been on the program. So can you provide some background on the company and um, your role at the company? Oh, sure. So, so Chaos Group is, a, is probably the largest company in the world dedicated to ray tracing and rendering. And in that, we serve everybody uh, producing uh, uh, the best visuals in visual effects, uh, special effects, uh, computer graphics, uh, and design visualization. Um, we do that through any number of products that we have that are tailor-made to um, the art tools that people use. May that be that 3ds Max, Maya, uh, Cinema 4D, Nuke, Houdini, whatever they, they may be. Uh, we create solutions that work the way those people think. Um, my role uh, at Chaos Group is to work with each of the development teams um, and uh, with product specialists and product managers in each to help guide those products to make them as good as possible for the users. Now, obviously, um, this is an area where performance really matters in terms of what um, content creators can actually do and deliver uh, on the screen. What has been your approach in terms of tuning um, your software to ensure that the uh, cr the digital creators of the world have the best tools possible. Yeah, so performance is everything when it comes to uh, rendering, especially high-end rendering, because you need as much instant feedback as possible to make your creative decisions. Um, so what we've always done from the beginning was making our software highly parallel so that we could take advantage of all the cores that would come along within the Intel processors. Um, and happily, with every single generation, there's more cores, and we just simply go faster. Um, in addition to that, um, there are certain things that we can do to optimize specifically for Intel architecture. Um, and here, uh, Intel's uh, Embry uh, ray tracing kernels really helped. And we've been working with, uh, em with Intel on Embry for quite a few years uh, to customize it to be uh, absolutely ideal for V-Ray, which is uh, our, our uh, primary product. You, know, you talked about the performance optimizations of working with the Intel rendering framework, which is formerly known as Embry, and the Visual Cloud platform with Intel. Can you give a sense of what you've accomplished in the last few years in terms of how performance has gotten better with your tools and how that translates um, to a different visual experience on the screen um, from a consumer perspective? 
Uh, certainly. So, um, and our last version that we came out with was about, which was about a year and a half ago, uh, V-Ray Next. Um, it doubled the performance actually across uh, all processors, um, and so people instantly got a uh, significant speed boost uh, for their general V-Ray rendering. Um, we also then optimized as much as possible the interactive experience because uh, final frame rendering is one thing, but actually what makes the most difference is uh, can I see my decisions quickly? And so uh, getting feedback on that was super important. So especially in our integrations in like, um, in like Autodesk Maya and 3ds Max, um, we concentrated on making that as uh, quick of an experience as possible. And that um, works in what we called um, uh, IPR or uh, interactive photorealistic rendering. And that uh, works extremely well on the really large Intel processors. Now, obviously, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to take a look at how you deliver uh, the, the efficiency and scale that your customers require as well. And, and that gets into how to deliver these types of capabilities in the cloud. How have you been working in that perspective? And, and um, why is this a key uh, opportunity for your customer base? So everybody has hardware. I mean, everybody basically has a, has, a, has a CPU on their machine, but it's usually not the largest one. <laughs> and they keep getting larger. Uh, so, I mean, it was, um, in fact, we had to modify a little bit of our code to even think about 192 cores, which people were suddenly having uh, when you count multi-threading. So um, being able to access uh, such large um, processors conveniently without having to buy the very, very latest hardware uh, yourself um, is extremely convenient. And so that's what people really like about using uh, a, a virtual cloud situation because they can get the very latest hardware um, and just for the amount of time that they need it. Um, so we're seeing a lot of people uh, take advantage of that. And when you look forward and think about what content creators are, are aiming to do um, in turning their imaginations into something on screen in the future, what are the requirements for Chaos Group in terms of continuing to push the needle forward and capabilities for these um, artists? Wow. Um well, we get challenged all the time. <laughs> they have, that we uh, the the great thing about our customers is they're extremely creative and um, they're also very demanding. But they're also you know some of the best customers you may ever may want, um, and they really push us to uh, to new limits on what is possible, uh, both visually and uh, creatively. And by creatively, I mean in the workflow. So we get as many, if not more, requests on making the workflow more streamlined as we do on actual visual quality of what the renderer does. Um, because often they're connected. If I, if I can't get to it, I can't make it. So um, uh, we, get, we get both, but it, often it comes, in, in the visual effects space, it's often a lot around, the, uh, there's much more concern around color management nowadays. Um, especially with high dynamic range editing uh, coming in, working with, with background plates of that nature. Um, and so we've been working uh, in all of our products to uh, make it accommodate that the most. Um, it, to allow the, the very high-end professionals to tune it for the very latest in content delivery. Um, that's probably the, one of the more latest trends besides just doing rendering really well. Really well. 
when you um, look forward to um, an event like IBC and you see some of the key topics that are coming out of this conference, where do you think are the broader trends that you're seeing this week that will influence uh, the direction that you just described in terms of um, Chaos Group and, and your opportunity to better serve your customer base? Well, the one thing people want to do is they want to they want complete flexibility in their deployments. So they they want to be able to work. You know, um, they want to be able to scale as their as their jobs require. So if they get a large job or or a or a pressing deadline, they want to be able to meet it very quickly. Um, so working with the cloud does that very nicely so they can you know burst to that as they need to um and then they want to be able to share their content whether it's the finished result or intermediate projects um with with other people with other artists or uh simply in in the final result to be able to 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 uh use that for collaboration so that's another thing that the cloud automatically gives you is a, a way to collaborate. And so uh, that's another thing we're seeing take, people take advantage of. And I think that's going to be uh, one of the topics here at the show. Fantastic. Phil, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, always excited to see the collaboration between Chaos Group and Intel um, with our, our products and our um, software frameworks helping push you guys farther in terms of tapping that performance that we're delivering on the other underlying platform. Um, I look forward to more collaboration in the future. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, one final question for you. If folks want to find out more about Chaos Group and what you're delivering in terms of your solutions, where would you send them for more info? Oh, that's easy. Just come to our website, uh, uh, chaosgroup.com, and that's a landing, pay, uh, landing page for everything we, we create, whether it's uh, customized products uh, or whether they are uh, for cloud rendering. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein. We're coming to you live from the International Broadcasting Conference in Amsterdam. And I'm delighted to have Ellie Lubitsch, president at Beamer, back in the studio with us. Welcome, Ellie, back to the program. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you for having me. So Beamer has been on the show before. And um, for those of in the audience who haven't listened to the previous episode, can you just provide a background on Beamer and how your solutions fit within the context of the themes of the IBC conference this week? Yes, wonderful. So uh, Beamer, um, Beamer is an image science company. We are about uh, 70 uh, employees that are dedicated uh, only to one thing, uh, the hardcore of the uh, video compression. That's really uh, what we do. So we supply uh, encoding and compression solution to you know great uh, companies, to the world leaders in streaming media, and uh, of course uh, our partnership and collaboration with uh, uh, the leading uh, compute platforms in the industry like Intel, etc., uh, um, is uh, very important uh, and appreciated by many customers in the media industry. So this is our context uh, at IBC. Elliot, I remember being at Mobile World Congress just a few years ago when people were talking about 4K being an amazing innovation, and now we're hearing about 8K. 
Um, what does this mean in terms of the types of challenges that the industry needs to address to be able to deliver that rich content and how does Beamer fit into that challenge? Okay, this is an excellent uh, question also in the context of the Mobile World Congress and uh, the wireless medium in general. So um, I think that, uh, yeah, we, we do see some sort of a tension or a gap building in the industry between the capture uh, and uh, if we look at the announcement from Samsung early this year and this week from Apple, the power uh, in the palm of a user to capture 4K P60. And when we look at the display industry, I think that 50% of US households already uh, own a 4K TV and now moving to 8K. So we can see that the capture is already in 4K, uh, even at the consumer level, the display is already in 4K, but the medium in between is, is still not completed. Mm -hmm. And this is, of course, the telecommunication industry and the compute industry, the, the, the computational complexity that is needed to deliver a very good 4K and 8K uh, stream. So um, uh, I, I think that uh, one way or another this gap needs to be closed and the medium in between should allow uh, the, the, the capture, mm -hmm. the display, but most important is the sharing. Because the value, yes, you document your life in 4K, the, the value of, of, the, of, the, of the asset is not in the capture, it's in the sharing, when you right. unleash the motion, yes. Of, so you, you, this, uh, this uh, uh, capacity, yes, to, to, to capture, to document your life, and eventually to share the, the maximum resolution, the highest video quality that was captured with anyone uh, uh, in your network, this is very important, and this is why we are here trying to work uh, together with, with Intel, with the, with the compute platform uh, to bring those compression solutions to the market and to enable to deliver the highest quality possible uh, over any medium, fiber and mobile and wireless. I think that you bring up a really good point and that this content capture is not just being broadcast by large providers anymore. This is something that is... Um, distributed across the world from the you know billions of vid video content creators uh, that we have all become and um, it's it's happening with different formats it, it's happening in terms of video capture and sharing but it's also happening with cloud gaming and interactivity in in very me uh, media rich uh, environments where do you see the opportunity um, for the industry to really drive um, breakthroughs beyond, um, you know, the, the transition from, you know, to 4K and then 8K. What are you most excited about for Beamer in terms of this uh, rich opportunity? So I think that, uh, you know, for the traditional broadcast and media industry, we want to enable always the cutting edge, mm -hmm. you know, the 4K, the 8K, et cetera, et cetera. That's, you know, with the lowest uh, latency, with the highest quality over any medium. Yes, that's definitely something that uh, we are working very hard. And of course, you know, the, the, the software solution, the highest quality possible, the most complicated uh, algorithm that uh, we can uh, bring uh, to serve the, the, the professional content. This is the professional media companies. And uh, um, that's one, one uh, aspect, yes, of uh, our uh, business. Uh, but to enable what we call user-generated content, 
if it is uh, you know content that is coming from creators from uh, uh, end users uh, or a high-end hobbies or professionals uh, but also uh, content that is uh, generated by by gaming yes um, so at the end of every stream that was captured from an iPhone 11 Pro or from the Samsung Galaxy 4K front and back camera, mm -hmm. you must have a compressor. You must have a compressor. Uh, and from every game console or every game server instance on the cloud, you have to have a compressor. And here we started to uh, take some of our intellectual property, uh, especially the invention that we have around content adaptive bitrate the technology that allows us to create the perfect combination of bitrate and quality and to harden or to integrate this uh, technology with silicon compressors because you know they are much faster cheaper etc and they are available for consumers so that even consumers can eventually at the end of every stream create the best combination of bitrate and quality so that's really something that excites us to empower not just you know the professional the broadcast industry but hundreds of millions of you know you and i mm -hmm. that are also now content creators now when you look at um, the opportunity for Beamer to drive that compression and, and that capability end-to-end, -end, one of the areas that I know that you've spent some time um, driving optimizations for is to take advantage of the underlying infrastructure within the cloud or at the, um, at the edge of, of, of the network. Can you talk a little bit about how you've worked with Intel uh, to deliver that type of optimization. Exactly. So, uh, you know, one of the um, yeah, critical factors for every decision maker in the industry is, you know, the total cost of ownership. And for many, many years, we are working side by side or alongside with Intel to to maximize, to take full advantage of the platform, of the compute platform. And in encoding, you always have, you know, it's a very complex kind of um, algorithm or process with the, you know, predictions and quantizations and the entropy coding, and you always have something waiting for something. So we have developed a, a parallel uh, processing technology that allows us essentially to, to schedule the encoding process across all the cores, all the time. So if you look at the Intel um, scalable uh, pl uh, platform, yes, and you look at the ultra high core count, now the 28 physical cores and coming soon the 9200 with the um, 56 physical cores. So to have an encoding process that uses all the cores all the times, that's really, uh, I think, uh, the the very important contribution that we bring to the Intel platform, uh, enhancing the TCO. Because you know, once you buy this server, you really want to use all the cores all the times. And if you have uh, you know cores that are idles or uh, you know cycles that are wasted, they are wasted. Yes, you still have to pay for the platform. So this is, uh, I think, um, uh, a very important partnership. We always, you know, come to all the trainings and we are using, uh, you know, all the tools that Intel brings into the platform. And in a way, we have anticipated almost 10 years ago this new trend of uh, ultra high core count. Those platforms that now, you know, uh, hopefully coming soon with 56 physical cores, that's definitely something that uh, we have anticipated and built the, the software in such way to take advantage of those coming platforms and deliver the most out of the, the compute platform. 
Ellie, when when you drive that performance tuning, can you give some uh, characteristics about what that means from an end customer experience in terms of what they're able to derive in terms of value in the compression of, of the code codec? Yes, sure. So, um, you know, uh, if I'll take uh, our content adaptive uh, bitrate technology, the CABR, uh, that in a way um, allows us to eliminate all the bits that are um, beyond the human vision, like, you know, uh, the redundancies beyond the human vision, we can create a quality and bitrate combination that is uh, anything between 20 to even uh, 30 and 40 percent uh, uh, more efficient in terms of the, the quality and the bitrate combination. And this allows the customer to stream over every medium to reach mobile destinations, to reach customers that are connected, privileged with fiber connection, but also customers that are connected with DSL, etc., etc. So, uh, but of course, nothing comes free. So we need extra compute power. So the fact that we can use all the cores all the times and we can take the maximum out of the platform makes us very uh, efficient. And we produce the, the, the best combination of quality, bitrate, and density. We can take the maximum number of frames from every compute platform and we can create the best combination of quality and bitrate and for the end user in this case you know the media and broadcast company they know that they got the maximum from the compute platform the best return on their investment and they have produced the highest user experience less rebuffering event everything is smoother yes when the quality and the bitrate are in in in, in perfect combination that's perfect um one final question for you. Um, this has been a fantastic interview. Um, I know that folks are going to be interested in engaging with Beamer and, and, and finding out more about the solutions you're offering in the marketplace. Where would you send them for more information? And, and do you have any um, specific um, programs or um, communications that might be interesting for folks who are listening online and want to engage more with your company? This is a wonderful question. So obviously, you know, we do have a website, property, etc. cetera. Uh, but the, I would say uh, number one highest value destination that I want to send um, our listeners is to our um, very successful uh, podcast, The Video Insiders where we not, not just sharing our own inventions and thoughts, et cetera, et cetera, but we were able to bring uh, really the industry leaders uh, to bring their views on every aspect, yes, of, you know, encryption and DRM and packaging and CDN and peer-to-peer and, -peer and you name it. And, of course, also a nice contribution from Intel uh, uh, executives coming to this the Video Insiders, I believe that right now is um, the must-see or must-listen uh, um, gathering, industry gathering, to really share challenges, opportunities, and uh, also education, pure education. Well, you heard it here first, Chip Chat listeners. Check out the Video Insiders. It's, uh, as you know, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I'll be checking it out as well. Thank you so much, Ellie, for being on the program today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Alison. Thank you, Intel. Thank you very much for hosting us. Thank you.
Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein. We're coming to you from the International Broadcasting Conference in Amsterdam. And today I'm delighted to have Vinod Cannon, Director of Engineering of Machine Learning Solutions at MultiCoreWare, with us. Welcome, Vinod. Hi, Allison. It's uh, nice to have a chat with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, for sure. So, Vinod, why don't you just start and uh, by describing MultiCoreWare's business uh, focus and how it relates to the topics at IBC this week? Sure. Okay. So, MultiCoreWare as a company, it's uh, it's uh, it, it's more more focused uh, more focused towards uh, heterogeneous computing platforms, and with this as the code, so we have some different groups in our company. So there are some groups, okay, so uh, for example, we have the video compression technology group, and we have the machine learning solutions group, and we also have a uh, compiler team as well as, we also, we also delve into automotive uh, space, okay. So of which, if you take up, if you take up the first two one, the, the first two, which is, which is video compression, I mean, technology group and the machine learning solutions group we have we have come up uh, so this is so here we are trying to venture into space where if we can combine these two technologies to provide better valuations for our customers okay so so in this space we have we have come up with some products of our own so one which we which we are proud of is called lip sync and maybe we can speak more on it yeah, so so lip sync is an, is actually the topic of the day for this podcast. Um, this is a solution um, where you're synchronizing audio and video with uh, using machine learning, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. I would say, okay, uh, so the way in which we started, we started this is we heard that uh, in the video encoding industry there's a pain in the uh, there's a pain there's a pain pain point wherein uh, your audio uh, signal goes goes out of sync with respect to the uh, respect to the video track because these two tracks exist I mean, separately okay and it, it's put together in the, in the uh, same container so now uh, pain which we started was if, if you had to automate this uh, this problem, we could we could solve this with uh, with some with some sort of machine learning techniques. Okay, so uh, so here we came up with some multiple deep learning models, which can which can find out if a human speech is in sync with the human face and the moving lip. So with this pipeline, it is possible to find. Okay, for example, if somebody is going to give us a feed, it's possible to find if the if the speech and the Moving lip is in sync or not in a in, in a in a fully automated way. So, Vinod, as somebody who's watched videos where the uh, audio and video are not tracking, and I know how annoying this can be. So, I'm so glad that you've come up with this technology, and it's so interesting that you're using uh, deep learning algorithms uh, to drive that because it it allows for, I'm sure, a more efficient manner of addressing this issue in the delivery of video. What's the response been in the industry to lip sync? It, it was, the response has been uh, very positive for us. For example, for, for instance, for the last, last couple of years, we have been showcasing this product at the NAB show. And uh, the, uh, the first line, what people say about it is it's very cool and interesting. These are the words people say. Because, because right now this problem is being solved in a way where where they put uh, where they put some manual uh, efforts to find out whether the audio is in sync with the video or not, or or 
or maybe uh, its alternative is to is to have some digital fingerprints in the uh, source it's not possible to have the source at all the points in uh, the all the points of where the video distribution happens so a solution which is automated which doesn't involve any manual efforts or very very minimum if, if it's so and it does not need any source fingerprinting so in that way it helps people to uh, to ensure that the quality of of the video content is good for their customers now i know that um multicoreware and intel have been collaborating in this space and um intel at ibc this week is announcing the intention to deliver a new solution a new select solution for media analytics platforms you've been very engaged in that tell me about that so to speak about this one right so the uh, common point uh, is 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 about uh, is about open vino okay so this open vino toolkit from intel it is uh, it is it is i would say i would say this delivered on its promise it was so actually if you see lipsing is a is a very very complex complex pipeline which consists of four four deep learning models okay but when we when we wanted to port port this uh, port this lipsing onto intel's open vino platform it was very easy for us to port it uh, although although the entire pipeline was was quite uh, was quite uh, complex to start with the efforts involved to port lipsync onto open vino was just in days was just, was just handful of days it is it is it, it, this is it, it's a very positive step step forward for for this collaboration because we are we are feeling we are feeling more encouraged to work with intel to port our other media analytics solution which is which is such as uh, we are building some solutions on uh, human analytics which is like which is face expression recognition face recognition and uh, post estimation and so on these things can be quite easily ported on to intel open vino toolkit so that it can work across all different intel hardware platforms yeah and and what's interesting about this one is uh we're tapping the capabilities of xeon scalable processors but also the mavidia solutions we're delivering um for the edge which provides an amazing um opportunity for underlying hardware the open vino framework and uh the lip sync uh solution to deliver a compelling solution to the marketplace correct true and then also the word right so you're thinking about this uh, edge device right so for example uh so the world is moving towards analytics in uh, in all phase of life and maybe in all walks of life right so i feel this combination we can uh, we, we can bring some uh, good solutions into a market where people are using lot of intel platforms and uh, with this open vino toolkit being present we can port our solution very quickly and and we can we, we, we can bring in uh, more valuation to the end customers now when it when you look at this type of uh configuration delivery in the marketplace who are the primary targets in terms of the lead customers that would benefit from this type of solution okay. so it depends upon uh, which solution we are speaking about for example if we take if you're going to take the lipsing solution as such so people in the video industry who are part of uh, who are part of the vods or video distribution centers or or the video production centers or like ott or the streaming and so on so these places where there's a possibility of audio going out of sync with respect to video channel so these people can uh these people can benefit from the lipsing solution as such if you're going to speak about the other human analytics 
solution which we are which we are building so this intern can can bring in uh, uh, more an, uh, more analytics on human behavior pattern based on face expression or face recognition or post estimation the way the people act or uh, maybe react this can be this can be used across across like surveillance or uh, or maybe smart cities or uh, it could be it could be very very small solutions maybe in airport where uh, where people want to uh, uh, see see about the behavior pattern of people yeah that makes sense now when you've uh tuned your software for um the underlying intel technology using openvino have you seen any performance characteristics changes uh associated with that effort Yes, uh, yes. For instance, for instance, uh, so if I say, if it's for lip sync, right? So for lip sync platform, uh, for lip sync solution, without without Intel's Open, we know uh, it was it was hundred uh, percent. I mean, I would say I would say with Open, we know uh, we got it running at two x the speed, which, wow. which, which is say which is the same the, with the same same Intel hardware. If with, without using uh, without using Open, we know, and with with using Open, we know it was a two x performance improvement. That's incredible. And we we believe that once we once we just uh, they move on to the new platform, which is about to come, which is this VCAC card and so on, uh, we we have sure that it's going to it's, it's going to skyrocket into four x five x in terms of performance. That's fantastic. Well, Vinod, thank you so much for being here today. Um, I love the collaboration. I love what you're doing with machine learning. It's it's a very cool application. Um, I can't wait to hear more. But for those who are listening online and they want to read about LipSync and the other solutions that MultiCoreWare is delivering to the marketplace and engage with your team, where would you send them for more information? I would ask them to uh, to refer to our website, which is which is MultiCoreWareInc.com. Fantastic! Thanks so much for being here today. Enjoy your time at the show this Thanks, week. Thanks, Alison. It was a it was a pleasure to speak with you. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein. We're coming to you live from the International Broadcasting Conference in Amsterdam, and I'm delighted to be joined by Jeff Gilbert, VP of Strategy at Quilt. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hi, Allison. Uh, thanks for the invite. Uh, it's pretty exciting to be here. Now, Quilt has been um, making a lot of headlines lately um, in in the video arena, and. Uh, you guys recently participated in a major launch with Intel. Um, there's been a lot of activity that I've seen. Tell me a little bit about Quilt, and um, how would you describe the solutions that you're delivering in the marketplace? So Quilt's got a different take on the world of content distribution. And so that element of the OTT stream, where actually moving the bits from where they start to the end user's device, that's the area that we play. And traditionally, it's been dominated by content delivery networks. The, uh, the product launch that you referenced, uh, we're calling content delivery sharing because it takes a, a page out of the, out of the sharing economy. And uh, the press now uh, are starting to call us the Uber of content delivery because, in fact, we don't own our infrastructure, much like Uber doesn't own the cars the drivers do. We don't own the edge nodes that work a lot like a CDN. It's the ISPs that own them. 
and we simply set up the rides for the content, much like Uber sets up the rides for the people. So it's a different take on a similar problem. We find it to be much more cost efficient, and since we didn't have to invest a billion dollars building out infrastructure, it just simply lowers the cost of everything, allows us to offer better service at a better price. What you've just described offers both efficiency and scale, and um, I love the I love the metaphor. Um, when you look at uh, the broader um, environment of content delivery and what folks are trying to do in terms of um, sharing content, what do you think is driving this the need for efficiency and scale and in, in the ways people are developing and consuming rich content streams? So I think the the biggest news is uh, all that we've seen in the OTT space, whether it's Disney+, Plus, Apple TV+, Plus, uh, there's a variety of different providers. Everyone's offering a direct-to-consumer service, and there's just been an explosion of content. People are cutting the cord and going over the top. And so this massive, massive increase in demand is what's absolutely creating the, the urgency for a more efficient solution to deliver content for everybody. When you... Um look at what Quilt has delivered, what are the key ways that others in the industry can engage with Quilt? And why have you guys prioritized an engagement with Intel? So um, we're part of the Streaming Video Alliance, and, uh, and so we're deeply invested in the concept that these shouldn't be islands of technology, that things should be uh, open standards, and we support the open standards for open caching that the Streaming Video Alliance has, has put together um, in order... The reason that our solution is so efficient is in part because uh, our tech team has worked closely with the folks at Intel to create significant efficiencies in the way that things happen. And by creating efficiencies, we're able to lower the cost of compute. And by lowering the cost of compute, we can increase scale and it can effectively enable the entire solution that we have. So Intel is really a key part of what it is that we're trying to do. Now, I know that um, you've worked with the Intel team to drive optimizations to our technologies like Xeon scalable processors and Optane DC persistent memory, taking advantage of, of stuff that we're doing in mobile edge computing like openness. What is uh, the benefit um, of that tuning and optimization for Quilt? And how does that result in um, benefit for your customers who are actually utilizing your software? So... Um I think that was well stated, better than I could have stated myself. Optimization really is helping us drive the cost down. And this is, I can't overstate the importance of driving the cost down because, and to and the efficiency when it comes to just physical real estate. Uh, being able to put edge compute in the Mac that's going to allow our solutions to deliver content from one hop away from someone with a cell phone or into uh, right near the last mile networks if you're a terrestrial ISP. The ability to lower that cost is enabling those ISPs to make the investment that's necessary for us to do. It's effectively like offering Uber drivers really, really low-cost cars. And so suddenly there's a lot of people now that are driving, which enables the entire Uber model. It's very similar to that. Now, I know that you've extended those collaborations into what I thought was a very interesting one with Globo. Um, I I think Brazilians are one of the most avid um, content creation uh, uh, cultures on the planet. How has it been like to partner with Globo on the delivery of content delivery? So Globo is an, ex- an excellent partner. And for people that don't know, uh, they're obviously based in Brazil. They're the 14th largest uh, media company, I believe, in the world and the largest in Latin America. And the thing that's exciting about them, there's 100 million people daily 
every evening are, are tuning into global content. That's like a Super Bowl every night. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely amazing. And they're so interested and so invested in having a collaborative relationship with ISPs that they actually went with us to talk to their local ISPs and said, look, if you build this edge compute infrastructure, we will deliver our content on the top of it. And there's just no way to overstate the value of that for an organization like ourselves. So, you know, incredible traction there. What is next for Quilt in terms of delivering um, content delivery sharing a la Uber? So, it's really, we're scaling our organization, right? We're scaling our partners. We're working with ISPs, major ISPs all over the globe that we're talking with, and uh, we're working with major content providers all over the globe. It's very much sort of a two-sided market and that we've got to get more drivers. If we get more drivers, we get more riders. If we get more riders, we get more drivers. And so we're starting a positive cycle, and that's getting the message out. It's having key wins like the folks at Globo and showing people the value of that. And then we're doing everything we can to enable things to just move forward by providing a great quality solution for, um, for these content owners at a really low cost. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thanks for the collaboration. We love working with you guys. Um, one final question for you. If folks are listening online, they want to engage with the Quilt team, where would you send them for more info? So the easiest way to reach us, we're an online company like, uh, like everyone else and like our customers. Just go to quilt.com. It's important that people spell it correctly. It's Q-W, not Q-U. It's Q-W-I-L-T.com. You can find us there. My name is Jeff Gilbert. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach me at jeffg at quilt.com. Fantastic. Thanks so much for being on the program today. Thanks so much, Allison. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein. We're coming to you from the International Broadcasting Conference in Amsterdam. And I'm delighted to be joined by Jerome Blanc, Executive Vice President of Compression Products at Anivia. Welcome to the program. Thank you. So, Jerome, this is your first time on the program. Why don't you provide some background on Anivia and um, your role at the company? Mm -hmm, sure. So, uh, at Anivia, we provide software solution for implementing OTT TV services. That is, we provide video encoders, uh, OTT packages, cloud DVR, OTT packages. So the full end-to-end -end solution for TV providers, TV companies to offer a TV service to their subscribers. Now, this is a space that's going under incredible transformation in the industry. What are the challenges that your customers are facing and how do Anivia Solutions try to address those challenges? Mm -hmm. So I would say that our customers, so I mean the um, telcos and TV operators, are facing uh, different challenges. Uh, that is, uh, first of all, this is complex to implement because you, you need many different components. You need encoders, packages, DVRs and so on, and they need to work together. Uh, so this is complex. Uh, also, it comes for a cost. Um, then they don't want to be trapped into custom hardware, like when they buy encoders, they don't want to use a specific custom hardware for that. They just want commodity servers that they can reuse for other purposes later. And we say the last one is that this is hard for them to uh, size, to guess in advance how much computing resources they will need for implementing their OTT services, whether in terms of storage or computing. 
Now, we have seen a tremendous growth in OTT uh, in terms of the amount of video that's being pushed across networks. What do you see as the broad trend with your customer base on that? And what type of growth rates are we talking about? Yeah, exactly. So uh, we have customers who are still transitioning to the cloud, to, the, to software, actually. And the most advanced ones are transitioning to the cloud. So that's where the uh, visual cloud uh, paradigm is becoming interesting because the visual cloud answers all those uh, pain points uh, we, we just mentioned. For instance, um, well, an important thing is that with a visual cl cloud, you use software on commoditized hardware. So uh, the, our customers can buy a transcoding function, just software, that they will instantiate in the cloud. So they don't need to buy custom hardware that they will need to throw away when the codec has changed. They can just update the software. So that is for one. And the second one is that the visual cloud answers their concerns for elasticity. Uh, that is, for instance, when they uh, launch the service, they are not sure of how many viewers they will have, subscribers, and depending on the number of viewers, they will to expand or reduce their storage needs for the DVR or the CDN needs for delivery. And also when the number of TV services change, when they have more or less live TV services or VOD content to encode, they will need to expand or reduce their computing resources. So that, that's where the uh, visual cloud paradigm is especially important, I think, because of this elasticity. Mm -hmm. It provides a, an interesting uh, perspective on scaling to meet the underlying viewer demand. Um, I know that Anivia has been working with Intel to drive optimizations of this code. Why is that critical? Yeah, absolutely. So more specifically, this uh, partnership with uh, Intel gave us uh, early access to the new Intel Xeon uh, processor, the 8200 series. Mm -hmm. And what is especially important in that is that we could adapt our uh, encoder, which is called Genova. So we could adapt to the Genova encoder to take benefit of those uh, new um, deep learning uh, boost technologies from Intel to accelerate video encoding. And what is very important is that, that we could achieve a 20% improvement in the number of TV video services wow. that one server can uh, transcode. So 20% is a huge amount, right? And so as you may know, in a video encoding algorithms, so there is always a trade-off between um, um, the number of TV services you encode, the performance, mm -hmm. and the video quality, picture quality. So with these new Intel Xeon processors, our customers can choose to either encode more TV, 20% more TV services for the same hardware cost, or to improve the video quality uh, with the same number of TV services. So it gives them a choice, um, which I think is, uh, is very beneficial to our customers. Now, that's with the uh, recent Xeon scalable processors that we delivered. And you, you referenced the uh, Deep Learning Boost or VNNI technology uh, that's integrated into those processors. What was the process like in terms of working with the Intel team on that optimization? I think it was very smooth. Uh, so we have um, uh, a dedicated Intel uh, uh, FAE, mm -hmm. actually, who provides us early access to such platforms well before months before they are publicly released. And so uh, that person helps us to adapt our software to this, uh, to this processor and uh, to, to uh, make the most of those new instructions, the, the new instruction sets, the VNNI you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, which is a part of the uh, deep learning boost uh, technologies. And that's how we could, um, well, I would say in a matter of weeks or a few months, 
uh, accelerate our video encoder to adapt to those new uh, processors. So that's our software is ready when the new processor is launched. That's fantastic. And now, now Genova is available in the market today? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it's been available for 15 years, actually. So it's <laughs> always an ongoing uh, work to improve uh, video encoding, as always. And so it's available today to run on uh, Intel Xeon uh, 8200 platforms. That's fantastic. Um, now, Jerome, obviously we're at IBC, and this is one of the largest conferences in the world addressing um, the opportunity for OTT. What are you hearing at the conference that most excites you, and how does this influence um, Anivia's uh, view of the market? I would say this is, uh, well, maybe it's been said before, but uh, I think this is the move to the cloud. It's getting more and more traction uh, because of all the uh, the points we mentioned. Elasticity is really important and commoditized hardware. So our customers, so the telcos, they don't want anymore to buy custom hardware with a given, um, with a specific size because um, they want to cope with uncertainty. Uh, they don't know how many viewers they will have or if the, uh, they will have more or less services. So that will be the move to the cloud, which is to me the uh, most important. And um, what we uh, um, uh, offer in that space is that we, um, we aim at delivering software functions. That is uh, the encoding function, the OTT packaging function, the Cloud DVR, etc., CDN, as functions, as software products that our customers can instantiate in their cloud. What is uh, next for the Anivia team in terms of delivering even more innovation to the marketplace? Um, so I, I would say it's always, so our goal is always to keep up with the latest technologies. So for instance, we've been releasing recently, uh, just this year, 4K multi-bitred 10-bit encoding with HDR, which I think is um, is quite unique. I mean, this combination, multi-bitred HDR in uh, 4K in a single server, uh, and also ultra-low latency streaming. And actually, that's, uh, uh, that answers some concerns of our customers who want to offer the same uh, quality of service to their subscribers, their OTT TV subscribers, as what they have been used to use in traditional broadcast TV. So with traditional broadcast TV, you had high picture quality. It always worked. You just turned the button, it worked, and you had low latency streaming. So they want to repro reproduce all those functions with OTT TV streaming, and that's... Uh, really the, uh, the uh, kind of uh, um, technologies, advanced technologies that we are targeting uh, with uh, Anivia. Jerome, thank you so much for being on Chip Chat today. It's been a real pleasure. One final question for you. If folks want to engage with the Anivia team around Genova and the other products that you're delivering to the marketplace, where would you send them? So if they have a chance to attend the IBC, so I would send them to our stand, 5B66, where we can answer all questions. And if they don't, they can just uh, well, visit our website and uh, ask for details by, uh, by email. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein. We're coming to you from the International Broadcasting Conference in Amsterdam, and I'm very excited to have Matt Frost, Director of Product Management for Google Chrome Media, with us. Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking. So 
we've had Google on the program before, but never Google Chrome Media. So tell me about Google Chrome Media and how it fits into the larger Google uh, online footprint. Sure. So Google Chrome Media is a collection of teams that are really focused on improving the media experience for the web. Um, and in particular, you know, 10 plus years ago, we saw this move away from app-based media experiences based on things like Silverlight and Flash to HTML5-based videos. So really media that is experienced and occurs in the, in the web browser. My team in particular works on developing component technologies for media delivery. So media codecs, video codecs, you know, video codecs like AV1, um, audio codecs like the Opus open source codec. So we're really focused on these core media technologies that we use in Chrome to make for a really great Chrome media experience, but they can be used anywhere, in app, in browser, to improve a media experience. Now, codecs are an interesting area. When you take a look at how much video is growing in terms of an online experience and, and how quickly the industry is moving and consumers are moving in terms of what they're uh, consuming on an, on, on an everyday basis, it seems like codec development has been a bit slower than what we would maybe like to have hoped. Yeah, that is. I think that was... Google's observation back in 2010 when we really launched this open source video project, which initially started out as a project at Google called WebM and has grown in the last three or four years to be this really large um, tech company initiative called the Alliance for Open Media. And it, But it was based on the observation that at Google we were developing these experiences from YouTube to Hangouts. Um, which were really pushing the edge of what we could do with the current technology. And we saw this vast expansion of use and of devices that were consuming video. And we knew the technology needed to develop more quickly. And our experience at Google was just that open source projects were the way to really push, um, push up the speed. And that's why we got into the business of open source codecs. Now, you mentioned AV1. Um, that's the topic of this interview. Um, Tell me about AV1 and why it's an attractive alternative within um, the codec conversation. Okay, so AV1 is the latest generation of video codec technology developed by the Alliance for Open Media, which is a consortium that Google participates in, Intel does, uh, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, Netflix, um, just Amazon. Just a few folks. Just, just a few, mm -hmm. yeah, names which you may have heard of. And what it brings is just better performance. It's when, when you think of what a video codec does or any codec does, it's about taking a really huge uncompressed video file, so a raw video file, and reducing it to the greatest amount possible while maintaining the fidelity of the original video. So you want to take, you want to have a great 4K video that you can watch on your television screen at home, but you want to be able to deliver it as, and store it as efficiently as possible. And so that's what every new generation of video codec is about, is doing that more efficiently, preserving as much information. And, you know, as we all observe, your videos are getting higher resolution. Your TV now is likely 4K. It may be HDR, which has greater color fidelity. So it's also about supporting these new features and these great new devices that we're using. 
Now, obviously, AV1 has been an important innovation, but there's continued innovation in this arena. Can you tell me about what you're seeing um, within AV1 that is even pushing capabilities even further? Well, as I said, I think within AV1, it is about, um, certainly there, there are there are techniques in AB1 that are particularly well suited for some of these new experiences we have. We have, you know, feature a feature to be tech, very technical called Xtile, which is particularly good for um, for 360 video type applications. Uh, we with AV1, um, and this was true with its predecessor VP9. We went from what was called 8-bit video, which is which is lower accuracy video to 10 and 12-bit, which um, supports features like HDR, for instance. So those are some of the things that, that we've added to enable these new experiences. You know, we are at IBC. You walk around IBC and you see a lot of signs talking about 8K, which is <laughs> coming just, you know, fast on the heels of 4K, Few, you know, we're all just buying 4K TVs for our house, and all of a sudden they're trying to sell us 8K, and that requires four times the data that 4K does. So that's four times the file size, four times the amount of data we have to compress efficiently to provide a really good user experience. So, Matt, basically the challenge has never ended in terms of what we need to be doing with our codecs. When 1080p came along, they said, you know, that was that provided true visual fidelity. You couldn't, you know, the human eye couldn't see any more than that. When 4K came along, they said, no, now we've really got it. And now we're at 8K. So there doesn't <laughs> seem to be an end. Now, I know that you guys have been paying attention to SVT AV1. Can you provide some perspective on that? Sure. So um, when when we develop these video codecs with uh, through the Alliance for Open Media, we start off, we the first thing that we do is develop a decoder which which plays back you know decodes the stream and an encoder which encodes in this new format and but really what we're producing is a standard something that could be implemented by any developer of an encoder or a decoder and there are certainly ways to develop encoders that are faster or that are better suited for live video or for very high end cinematic video and what Intel has done ha is to, have, with partners, is to have gone out and produced another uh, AV1 encoder, which is a really great development. Um, in particular, what Intel is focused on doing is something that is super fast, that takes advantage of really advanced techniques that the Intel team um, has has developed and acquired that make for a super fast, super efficient encoder. And uh, you know, one of the benefits of open source code um, projects is that anybody can take the code. And in, in the tech industry, one of the things you're worried about is a sole source, that right. you only have one place you can, you can get your technology. Open source solves part of that problem by open sourcing things so anybody can go out and take the technology. But what Intel has done has been to provide yet another solution to the the encoder that the AOM team developed. So it's a really great um, it's a really great opportunity for the industry to take advantage of another encoder that offers real um, benefits over the AOM encoder that we've developed. So it's a it's a really positive experience. Where do you think um something like that would go in terms of um, driving broader industry engagement? And, and what have you seen 
in terms of you know the delivery of AV1 that might uh, give us some insight into how the industry will um, will engage on SVT AV1. So one of the challenges when you're introducing a new codec, really trying to deploy it in the market, uh, is both speed of the encoder, actually having something that you can use that will encode quickly enough to be uh, used at scale. And then on the other side, it's having decoders out there, something that can play back, getting them to actually operate on devices. And one of the benefits of the Intel technology is that it's super fast, that it really... Uh, and fast means, you know, for you and me sitting at our PC, it may mean that we can take a 4K video and encode it in, you know, a couple of hours or something like that versus 10 hours. For a service like YouTube or a service like Facebook or a service like Netflix, what it, mean, it may mean is that we can encode a colossal number of videos at lower cost. Um, and so that would be the, the advantage for anybody who's using SVT is that it allows you to encode more quickly, reduce your encoding costs. And at scale, which is what a company like Google is interested in, um, that, that can mean real dollars saved. Matt, you talked a little bit about what the, the trend is in, in encoding and decoding. When you also talked about the trend of, you know, we just saw 4K hit the market and now it's 8K. Everybody's talking about that. What are you most excited about from a Google, Google Chrome media perspective in terms of where technology is trending and what that means for the average online viewer? That's a challenging answer because the, the answer is sort of everything. Uh, but, but then again, that's the, the power of the technologies that we're building. Is it at the high end, you, you know, People who are listening to this and aren't at an IBC or don't have the opportunity to go to a CES or an NAB, you're just blown away by the size of the screens you see here and the uh, the stunning detail of the video that you see. And so I think that's exciting for those of us in Western, you know, uh, developed markets thinking about the TVs that we can have for our living room. But the benefit of this technology at the other end, and I, something that companies like Google are very focused on is the next billion users and users in emerging markets. And for them, what it may mean is the first really good streaming video experience where there isn't buffering, where their video starts up quickly, where they're getting really you know, usable resolution in uh, a video that isn't stuttering all the time because they're, they're in bandwidth constrained environments. So I think that's the other side is the beneficial effects of video in emerging markets for people who are interested in education or um, you know, video calling with their, with their relatives across the globe. And that's the other thing that AV1 can benefit. So I think you know, from the very high end, from I know that um, Intel's gonna be streaming its event in 360 video, that's an experience that isn't possible without the very latest video codecs. 8K video certainly isn't possible. Streaming 8K video is impossible. But I think being able to talk to your relative across the globe in India or in Indonesia and have a really good video conferencing experience is equally and arguably more important. 
That is fantastic perspective and a great way to end this interview, Matt. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Um, one final question for you. If folks want to find out more about what you and your team is doing within Google Chrome Media, where would you send them for more information? So the best place to go um, for, for what we're talking about is the Alliance for Open Media's website, and that is aomedia.org. Um, you know, it talks, has all of our press releases for developers who are interested in actually reading more about the technical aspects and getting into the code. There are links to the Git repositories, uh, the license terms. So that's really the best place to start. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thanks for having me. Welcome to Chip Chat Network Insights. My name is Allison Klein. We're coming to you from the International Broadcasting Conference in Amsterdam, and I'm delighted to be joined by Anne Aaron, Director of Encoding Technologies at Netflix. Welcome to the program, Anne. Hi. Thank you. So, Anne, I've been looking forward to this episode because I'm really curious as to what it means to be the Director of Encoding Technologies at Netflix and how that relates um, to the delivery of all that wonderful content um, from your company. Yeah, so... Um, so the team encoding technologies, what we're responsible for is, is generating all the media assets that we stream on our service. So if you're watching Netflix, the video, the audio, the time text, that's what we produce. Um, if the quality is bad, that's our fault. <laughs> if you see it blurry or blocky, yeah, that's our fault. So we try not to do that. Obviously, Netflix is driving innovation, or excuse me, Obviously, Netflix has been a leader in driving OTT innovation and delivering streaming, streaming content across the globe. How does the work of encoding relate um, to how Netflix has been able to deliver such rich media streams to your customers? So Netflix has members all over the world who watch Netflix on different devices, who have different bandwidth constraints. So as part of encoding technologies, we have to make sure that we deliver the best experience no matter how or what or when they're watching. So for the encoding technologies team, we have to make sure that first the streams that we we create are correct um, so that there's no glitch on our member side. But at the same time, we have to be aware of the bandwidth restrictions or the network restrictions that our members have. So we try to make the media streams as small as possible while still keeping the quality as high as possible to keep the story as engaging for our members. Now, earlier this year, Netflix and Intel announced a collaboration um, on a new codec, and this was uh, called SVT AV1. Tell me about um, that collaboration and why the two companies came together for that. So yeah, so together with other companies, so Intel and Netflix are part of the Alliance for Open Media, where we develop the AV1 codec, the, a new standard of codec that brings that where, where the goal is to bring down the bits while still keeping the quality good. Um, where we have bandwidth savings if you use this new codec compared to previous codecs. So that's the codec itself. Um, uh, Intel and Netflix collaborated in one of the encoding implementations, which is called SVT AV1. Uh, so uh, Intel 
came from it from the side that they do did want to produce, develop a codec that they could use for uh, in the cloud. Um, and we we also are we also want to have a codec that we could use to productize, you know, to use on the cloud. But at the same time, we also wanted a platform where we can develop new algorithms to improve the quality um, and also maybe even develop new codecs for, for the future. So that's that's when we got together and developed SVTAV1. Why is development in open source so important here? Yeah, well, with open source, you can get the community excited and just help in the collaboration. Um, you just get a richer source of ideas. Mm -hmm. And what has the response been since uh, the NAB timeframe in terms of the broader ecosystem engagement in this space? Yeah, we've seen very, uh, the community has been very excited that there is another um, open source encoder. You know, we do have libAOM, which is also great, but the community is also very excited that we have an alternative um, because we did build this from scratch. Um, and um, we, our goal was to have it um, as a clear, as a clean code base that, that where we can do more experiments on. Now, when, when you look at uh, a company at the size and scale of Netflix, I think you've got you know way over a hundred million folks who are streaming content daily on Netflix. What what do you think about in terms of the key challenges? You mentioned um, you know different types of devices, different types of bandwidth rates. How do you address that large uh, consumer audience? and ensure that every single viewing experience is optimized. Yeah, um, there's also different types of content, right? So you have all the way from animation to action movies, like which is more texture. So yeah, so that's what we're, we're trying to do is just optimize our encoding, tailoring it first towards the content, like given the content. So you have something like Bojack Horseman, which has, which has simpler textures, um, so we, we can we can deliver, let's say, a higher resolution for the same for the same bitrate compared to something that is more texture, like an action movie. So first, we tailor our encoding to the content itself, um, and then to address the different bandwidth requirements, we produce the best quality encode that we could given that specific bitrate or bandwidth requirement. And when you look at the future and look at you know the amount of content that's being created, your customers wanting even more titles available uh, through their Netflix subscription on demand, where do you think your team is going to be focused in terms of driving even more innovation around encoding technologies? So it's twofold. We're working on, on one side, the low end of the bandwidth, you know, being able to deliver 4K, for example, at much lower bit rates than we do today. But we're also very um, invested in the high end, being able to deliver HDR experiences and 4K experiences. Obviously, um, we're at IBC and people are talking about 8K video and, and talking about even richer uh, media environments. But you talked about you know delivering uh, video all around the world to uh, different types of viewers. What are you most excited about in terms of the, the technology that's being delivered in the market today? And how does that relate to uh, the potential growth of Netflix? Uh, 
I'm, you know, I'm originally from the Philippines, um, one of the developing countries where people are viewing Netflix on maybe on their mobile phones because it's um, mobile and cellular phones are their access to the internet. So I'm excited to be able to deliver Netflix shows and movies at the highest quality possible for people in developing countries. That's fantastic. And one final question for you before you go. Um, where can folks find out more about what Netflix is doing in the encoding space or um, engage within the open source community around SVT AV1? Yeah, so uh, check out our GitHub page, the SVT AV1 GitHub page. We also write tech blogs on what we do, so just go to the Netflix tech blog. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a real pleasure. Thank you.